be judged. So as we work our way through the pages of scripture on the subject of our walk, we need to turn a mindful ear upon what the Lord would have us to, be, to bone up on, on remembering his admonition that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Hopefully that the, the spirit can overcome and is overcoming the flesh. It's, it's a day-by-day -day walk, isn't it? A day-by-day -day work. So the title of the message today is Walking in the Way of Jesus. And before we continue, let's pray. Father, we just uh, thank you so much for this uh, beautiful day you've given to us. We thank you for the music. We thank you for the fellowship. We thank you, Lord, for being able to gather together and uh, to talk one with another and to encourage one another. And uh, Lord, we just pray that this morning our hearts might be encouraged concerning our walk. And uh, Father, hopefully uh, we are doing well. And uh, if not, if there are some places that need uh, some work, we just pray that uh, we might uh, become mindful of those things and uh, trust in you to, uh, to help us as you sanctify us. We just thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a passage of scripture I haven't read in a long time, and it's Romans chapter 7. If you would turn there with me. I know you've all read it probably many times. If it's been a while, I think it's worth reading again. Romans chapter 7, beginning with verse 14. And follow along as I read. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. And moving into verse 8, things get better. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. 
For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in, in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is hostile against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Uh, that Paul must have marveled at that passage as the Holy Spirit gave, him, gave it to him. And um, uh, it's almost a little depressing at first, but we know as uh, you move ahead to Romans 8, 29 through 31 with me, here's what happens as we learn and grow and walk with the Lord and become sanctified. It says here in verse 29 of Romans 8, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. He predestined it. Amen? And isn't that not, wouldn't you hate to be back in the beginning of Romans chapter 7 there where we just read? I mean, it does get better, doesn't it? And that's, that's the message of Romans chapter 7. It's, it's not to depress us. It's to for, indicate to us how far we have to go and the fact that we will get there. So Romans 8, 29, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, so that Jesus is not going to be the only one that's going to have a, anywhere near a decent walk, a righteous walk with, among men, that we might join him in that endeavor. Verse 30, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. That's an unbreakable chain of events. There's no break in that chain. It's going to happen. Now, we're never going to be perfect. We'll be glorified when this walk is over with. But we'll be getting closer to that as we move along and as we learn and grow in the faith. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And who can be against us? Who can be? What's the answer to that? No one. Thank you. All right. Now, let's move on to some specifics as we get down to business here and talking about our walk. If you turn to Ephesians chapter 4 with me, 
Ephesians chapter 4. And this first section is about our walk amongst each other and how we treat each other. And then in a moment, we'll move on to how, how our walk should manifest itself out in the world. So Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, Paul says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So this is a challenge now that Paul gives us concerning our walk. First of all, he says that we walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, and we are all, if you're called to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have a calling that, that, uh, that must manifest holiness and righteousness to the greatest extent that's possible. There's a calling also in which we have gifts that are given to us, and those differ one from another. But our walk should all be in concert with one another, and, um, and we should all be uh, working toward that, that level of, of uh, glorification that, uh, that Paul spoke of in Romans chapter 8. So he says, walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness. In other words, not haughty, with all lowliness and gentleness, not brash, with long-suffering, patience, bearing with one another in love. Now, he says bearing with one another in love because there are times when we're not going to be doing so well with each other. There are going to be times when we rub each other the wrong way. There are going to be times when we make mistakes in our speech to one another, and maybe, uh, maybe you meant it one way, but it was construed another. But with long-suffering, we are to bear, long-suffering patience, we are to bear with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, uh, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, has something to tell us about lowliness, in case we want someone to look up to to become that way. Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And that immediately should bring a picture in your mind of his uh, triumphal entry. And, um, and that cert certainly was a picture of his lowliness that we need to emulate. Now, verse 3 of Ephesians 4 uh, tells us endeavoring, diligently working, that is, to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I, I didn't feel uh, compelled to look up the Greek for that word diligently or endeavoring, but I, I did for some reason. And uh, it's an interesting word. It's pr pronounced spudadzo. Isn't that cool? Spudadzo. I don't think you'll see that up in the church sign anytime soon, but, but uh, uh, I, I just thought that was spudadzo. I just thought that was uh, really cool. Uh, 
So, uh, and that, that's our word, endeavoring or, or diligently working to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, that peace um, is to be broken or is sometimes broken, in on, but in only the most extreme circumstances. For instance, when the Lord w walked into the temple and saw the money changers in there, he threw over the tables in anger. No peace there. And he was justified in doing that. There is a righteous anger. Uh, sometimes I wonder if that's used flagrantly, but I hope not. But there is a genuine righteous anger that, that sometimes can occur. And it occurred there. Because the people were coming and bringing their sacrifices. And they were perfectly, for the most part, perfectly uh, genuine and proper sacrifices. But they were being told that they were not proper and had to pay to have uh, one given to them that was deemed as being proper. And so they were making money on this whole thing. And that brought righteous anger to the heart of Jesus. Uh, a, an example that we could use here among us might be if uh, church is letting out and you're at the back speaking with someone and you have a real burden on your heart, something that's very personal. And you know that they're a prayer warrior and that, uh, and, and, and that you can confide in them. So you confide this thing in, the, in them only to discover next Sunday when you come to church that it's all over. It's, it's been buzzed around all over. And it was not kept in confidence. That will bring righteous anger and hopefully a, a, a step towards Matthew 18 uh, to deal with this, to, to, to get things back in the manner of peace that they need to be. Now if you turn to Ephesians chapter 5, Paul moves us now from the, our walk with each other to our walk in general out in the world. Ephesians chapter 5 uh, verse 1 we're taking it through verse 17. So there's quite a bit here. In verse 1 he says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Be imitators of God. And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So in general, we need to be walking in love toward everyone, whether brothers and sisters in Christ or those people in the world. And we need to imitate God as dear children, and that's a tall order, but we need to be doing that because God wants us to see Christ in us, or wants them to see Christ in us. Uh, because since his departure from this earth, we're given charge to represent him. And that's a, a very uh, responsible situation that we need to take seriously. So he says, Christ also loved us and, and, and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. 
Verse 3, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. You know, when we're out in this world concerning this foolish talking and coarse jesting, we need to be careful about the gang that's gathered at work that's gathered around the, the, the water fountain and, and they're telling jokes. And you need to be careful that you don't get caught up in that because the, the, some of the jokes that you may hear them telling might be perfectly fine. But if you join in with them, they could, they tr could go south on you. And the jokes could be other than those that you ought to be entertaining. Now you've been laughing at the good ones and now you're in an awkward situation. So be careful with the gang around the water fountain. And um, uh, sometimes it's best to just walk on by, pass on by, and, uh, and just not get involved. You have to be the judge of that. And those are difficult situations. So verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For know this, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. You know, there was a time at work when... Uh, I made a comment, I can't remember what it was, but I made a comment to, to uh, some people in a room and my boss was in there and he heard the, my comment. And then the conversation in the room was over with and I walked out and he came to me and he said, Jim Mates, I'm surprised at you because I had a, a, a reputation there that I'd been working on um, and um, and I said, oh, you must have misunderstood what I said. Matt, you must have misunderstood what I said. But I felt like about this high for the rest of the day uh, because of the thought that I could possibly have offended the Lord in a way that I never meant to. Is that, I don't know if anything like that has ever happened to you, where you were embarrassed because something was misconstrued that you said and you didn't mean it the way you said it. But that's what happened that day. And... Uh, now that was very bothersome, but um, as I'm, I'm sure it would be with you. So uh, verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of dis disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Verse 8, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 10 is, is probably the most important, if we were to pick one, is probably the most important verse in this passage. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. As we walk and are attempting to be, as best as we can to be conscious of representing Christ in this world, we need to be finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Now, we know about the things that he has just shared with us in the preceding verses. 
we're all mature enough that we, we're aware of them. But as we go along, every now and then there's some new things we need to learn. And um, what's, what he's saying in verse 10 is finding out what is expedient, either to be involved in or to say or anything else. Because we need to be careful that we represent uh, Christ. This, is so important, this was so important to Paul that he cautioned the Corinthians about it, about it twice. Not once, but twice. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, he said, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient or helpful. Your Bible may, see best, may say all things are not best or profitable. They may be okay, but they're probably borderline, and, and they may not be profitable. He says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Now again, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful, profitable. All things are lawful for me, but all things do not edify. Not all things edify. So sometimes we get on that borderline uh, a little bit, and uh, we may have some indiscretions that, that we, we might better just let pass, uh, that we might, might better not get involved with. Um, one thing that comes to mind is there are certain four-letter words that have um, been cleaned up a little bit, but they still represent what they originally represented. We need to be careful as Christians about using those. Amen? Uh, because the world knows what they really mean. And even though we've cleaned, up, cleaned them up a little bit, they still mean what they mean. And uh, uh, somehow we, we just get in, in habits of using them. And uh, uh, we, we just need to be careful of that. That's that borderline, those are those borderline things that can take away from the representation that we're, we're supposed to have. Now, um, in Acts chapter 23, uh, verses 1 through 5, Paul got in, involved in a little indiscretion concerning the high priest. Paul was um, uh, in, in a borderline situation. I think he's okay, but uh, you be the judge. Uh, let's take a look at this. He was before the Sanhedrin concerning his Roman citizenship. Verse 23 says, Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest, now his, the Sanhedrin, his, his Roman citizenship had come into question. And he was affirming to them that indeed he was a Roman citizen. Um, Verse 2, and the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? And those who stood by said, oops, do you reveal God's high priest? revile God's high priest 
Paul said, uh-oh, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak of evil, speak evil of a ruler of your people. So Paul, Paul didn't know he was the high priest. But um, uh, he still said what he said. And uh, that, that phrase, whitewashed wall, Jesus used in Matthew chapter 23 uh, with the Pharisees. And um, it, it's not a pleasant or it's not a, uh, a, uh, a statement, not something to call somebody that you're really in favor of. Let's put it that way. So was what Paul did acceptable? I, well, um, Ananias was an awful high priest. And uh, I think he's okay here. But um, anyway, like Jesus, he used the metaphor of whitewash for hypocrisy. That's what he was saying to them. You're a hypocrite. So um, now there was another indiscretion, slightly, on Paul's part uh, concerning John Mark. When Paul and Barnabas and John Mark were sent out on the mission field, there came a time, point in time, where John Mark uh, departed from them. And that upset Paul. And um, he did not like that. And, um, and he was a little hard on John Mark because of it. Now that tells you that, uh, that John Mark was of value to him. Otherwise he wouldn't have been probably quite so upset at his departure. So, um, but then um, in, um, in uh, as, as Paul's, when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said, bring John Mark with you, for he is profitable for the ministry. Um, so um, that, that was a slight uh, problem that Paul had in his attitude towards John Mark that uh, got corrected and corrected nicely. And uh, we know that Paul's walk was excellent because uh, he says, tells us in Philippians chapter 3, he admonishes the Philippians to walk as you have us for an example. Look at me. Watch, watch my walk. And uh, his walk was certainly exemplary. Picking it up then in, um, in verse 13 of uh, 1 Corinthians 5, or uh, Ephesians chapter 5, excuse me. Paul says, But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Now he's talking about exposing the sin of this world. Verse 14 he says, Therefore, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So that uh, we can be the light of the world as Jesus was. Now this may bring some persecution, but remember what Paul told Timothy all those who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And we need to get used to that. Um, now, next he's going to talk to us about walking in wisdom. In verse 15, Paul says, See then that you walk circumspectly, the King James says. It means to walk carefully, your Bible might say. 
to pay careful attention to your walk, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, these instructions to us go way back. In Exodus chapter 18, verse 20, Moses received instruction from his father-in-law Jethro. And he said to him, And you shall teach them the statutes and laws, and show them the way in which they must walk, and the work they must do. Again, in Leviticus chapter 26, verses 3 and 4. If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. And in Psalm 86, 11, Teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Unite my heart means give me singleness of heart, a single focus on what I should be about doing. So the challenge to you today is, how are things going in this respect? Uh, do, do you walk a little differently? at times than you should, uh, do things um, here and there need a little shoring up. I know mine does from time to time. It's so easy when we're out and about doing the things that we need to do from day to day and um, the things that in this temporal world uh, uh, bother us and trouble us and, and occupy us. And it's easy to slip. And uh, we need to pay attention and uh, re recommit and reconfirm uh, the way we should walk in this world. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the admonition that your word gives us concerning this. And Lord, uh, it certainly was a concern to Paul as the Holy Spirit enlightened him to write these things to us. And uh, it certainly needs to be uh, something that's extremely important to us as we represent our Lord Jesus Christ in this, in this world. Amen.